Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. Music after news in my book. Hey, it's Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Guess who's joining us this morning? It is Jeff DeBrain Haley, Senior Market Analyst at Asia Pacific uh, for Owanda. Jeff, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Michelle. Although Mrs. Haley wouldn't normally use the brain when she talks to me. <laughs> Always a pleasure to have you on. We last spoke with you three weeks ago. It's been too long. So we're going to break today's show down into three parts. Your overall narrative, specific stocks and investment areas, and then an investor lightning round. So are you ready? Let's do it. All right, let's start with the overall narrative of what is driving markets. So just a couple of hours ago, White House Trade Advisor Peter Navarro went on Fox to say U.S.-China, the trade deal is, quote, over. Navarro blaming China for spreading COVID-19. His comments follow a tweet by the U.S. President Donald Trump last week that said a a complete decoupling of the two economies is an option that is on the table. Jeff, what do you make of this? Well, it definitely shows us that we have a presidential election coming up in November mm. and uh, and uh, the, the tactics that the administration are going to use are, are getting clearer by the day uh, on this one and, and that will be playing that populism uh, card once again. Uh, we've had Mr Navarro, as you said, talking this morning. Uh, there's some very contradictory uh, statements here from the Fox News website and uh, other media organisations uh, but what we have noticed is that uh, markets immediately sold off across the board uh, when the initial headlines came out. But uh, he has since uh, been retracting some of those statements and uh, said it was misinterpreted in other media organisations. That's seen markets basically completely regain all those losses and pretty much head back to where they started, which was uh, equity markets being slightly up across Asia this morning. Okay, so you see this as bluster, but what would this actually mean if what Navarro says is true? Uh, if it was actually true, and I just can't believe for one second that even the Trump administration would play this one, but if it was true, this would be extremely negative uh, for stock markets across the world initially. It would be very negative for Asian stock markets, negative for Asian, uh, Asian currencies, uh, negative for stock markets across the world, very positive for gold, I would think, mm. uh, negative for oil. I, but I, as I said, I, I'm struggling to believe that they'll actually play this card. So, um, But yes, if this was the case, then uh, that's what it would be. And uh, it would seem like a nonsensical thing to do mm. when the world is in a very strong recession uh, and ahead of a presidential election. But uh you just can't tell what's going to come out of Washington, D.C. these days. So last I looked, U.S. futures were down nearly 400 points on the news. Asian markets have given back their early gains. They're in negative territory. Asian markets all in the red. STI off 1.5%. Do you think Navarro's comments could be a turning point for the markets or just a blip? I think it's just a blip at this stage. I mean, it's a mixed picture. I mean, we've seen Japan is up this morning as well. Uh, We've seen the U.S. stock futures that immediately dropped on that news uh, actually make back uh, all of their losses for the day. So I think from an Asia perspective that we've seen the worst of the sell-offs in in Asia today. And I think as that news disseminates and we get more clarity over the Navarro uh, comments, that we could see Asia recover. I, I can see Hong Kong, for example, is slightly up now on the day, and I would expect uh, other, uh, other other indices such as the Straits Times 
uh, to claw back their losses uh, as some clarity comes to this. All right, let's turn to some bigger trends, Jeff. The Nasdaq trading at a record high. The Dow up 6% over the past month. The Nikkei in Japan up as well. So on the one hand, we're seeing economies reopen. You know, here in Singapore, we can dine out, head to the hairdressers, walk around a mall. But globally, we're still seeing COVID-19 cases surging in some places. So I'm going to put to you the same question that I asked three weeks ago, because context is everything. What is driving this rally? And does it really come down to optimism over economies reopening, easy money from the Fed, driving those asset prices, or a bit of both? Yeah, I, think it, I think it's a combination of both, but I think the real driver here is, in fact, the Federal Reserve and their uh, quantitative easing uh, programs and their, and their various programs to backstop uh, yields rising and even in the corporate bond market. When you look at real yields, which are yields adjusted for inflation on the U.S. Treasury curve, a lot of that now is negative yields. So real interest rates are actually negative uh, in, in much of the U.S. Uh, Treasury curve. And I think that alone, uh, as well as this army of retail investors that we're reading about uh, uh, charging herd-like into stock markets as well, I think those two factors are what are really uh, powering uh, this rally onwards. And I think we'll continue to support stock markets around the world. And do you think this FOMO herd approach is not going to give up anytime soon? No, I don't think so, because as long as they keep winning, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll keep buying. What I would expect to see, though, is some pretty aggressive uh, short-term corrections uh, to, to bring some reality home about the perils of short-term investing uh, to, to markets at various stages. That could be headline-driven, uh, for example. But the underlying driver is that interest rates are basically zero to negative around the world. There's almost unlimited amounts of liquidity from central banks sloshing around in the global system, and that money needs to find a home somewhere. And uh, that, that one of those homes is most certainly the stock markets. What do you see economies doing? And in your latest note to investors, you know, you coined growth versus graves. Love that. You say this is an uncomfortable reality. I wonder if you can elaborate a little. Yes. You know, when we're all sitting here in, say, Singapore, for example, and it's an advanced economy and people can work from home and the government's organised and has plenty of money to sort of manage its way through this situation, that's lovely. But a lot of the world doesn't have that optionality. If we're here, for example, in Jakarta, where I'm speaking from today, mm. 70% of the economy is in the informal economy. That's a cash economy that works week to week. They just don't have the option of sitting at home because if they don't go out and earn money, they don't put food on the table and they don't, uh, and, and, and they don't put a roof over their heads. And that's a uh, situation that is repeated all over the world uh, and so it's just not an option to close down many economies in the world uh, for an unlimited amount of time. And thus, uh, hence I, I've said growth over graves. Unfortunately, the uncomfortable decision that many countries in the world are going to have to make or are making mm. in various forms is that exact strategy. Jeffrey Haley is Senior Market Analyst, Asia-Pacific at Owanda. Before we move on to some specific stocks, Jeff, can you sum up for us what you see as the main themes that are driving markets in the months ahead so our investor listeners can get a grasp on this? Yeah, there's two main themes here. One is the unlimited uh, uh, central bank money rushing around in the system, controlled capping yields and capping risk, which will continue forcing money into asset markets such as 
the stock market. The other big theme here uh, will be uh, if we get uh, a large secondary outbreaks of COVID-19 in developed markets, forcing them to uh, close down parts of their economy again. That is what I can see as the only real uh, situation uh, that would actually derail this rally in the stock markets for any meaningful amount of, of time at the moment. Mm. Going forward into 2021, we may see the emergence of uh, inflation. Um, and one potential black swan, I think, this year could be that uh, someone produces a COVID-19 vaccine. Indeed. Jeff, let's turn to some specific assets and sectors now. I want to start with tech. We mentioned at the top of the program the Nasdaq at record levels. Apple now has a market cap of more than 1.5 trillion US dollars. A company called Fastly, which is used by Spotify, Shopify and Slack, uh, this to speed up the retrieval of their content, is up 60% over the past week or so. So Jeff, are you bullish on tech now or do you think the market has just gone too far too fast? I think in big tech, the fundamentals are sound, and I think big tech, uh, your Microsofts, your Fangs, these stocks have strong underlying business models that are, to a certain extent, COVID-19 proof. I mean, they adapt just as quickly to working from home as they do from being in the office, so to speak, yeah? I think there's a lot of fast money, though, uh, chasing some of these smaller tech stocks. When you see 60% rises, etc., and we've seen a few of these sorts of price behaviours. We saw a Chinese real estate company jump 400% uh, last week in the NASDAQ, uh, the NASDAQ, I believe, and it's because it was called Fang something or other. That's its full name. Right. And investors yeah. thought it was a Fang uh, <laughs> ETF. Yeah, and it went up 400% in one day. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of silly FOMO money chasing uh, quick gains. And I think this is going to be a pattern we're going to have to put up with over the next few months. All right, drilling down, getting a little granular. You know, when I read about Fastly and its share price moving up even uh, more than Zooms, I wondered, you know, what is your take on these stay-at-home remote work companies? I think the key thing here for the medium to longer term is can they monetize those products into paying subscriptions? Zoom seems to be doing an okay job in that respect, although I know a lot of large companies and banks that will not use Zoom Mm. because of its security issues. They they use other products instead. So the key for me with these these work-at-home companies is Usually they have a freemium, uh, a, a freemium product. Can they change that from a pre, from a free product into a premium product that customers will pay for every month? And, and this will be the key, uh, this will be the key, uh, indicator of their future success. Apple has announced a long-awaited shift away from those Intel chips in its computers to ones that they will make internally instead. Now this cannot be good news for Intel, can it? What is your take on the two companies? Well, I, I mean, there's not been much around saying that they're in open conflict. I, I, I suspect uh, that uh, Apple just wants to go its own way and does do its own design architecture. A lot of these chips are all made in pretty much the same places around the world, and a lot of that is Foxconn and those and such like in Taiwan. So I would expect for Apple, I mean, they already have the infrastructure there uh, to make those chips. Uh, for Intel, uh, it's hard to believe that Apple is not 
a huge part of their overall business in the world. Uh, yes, uh, the, you know, there's iPhones, et cetera, et cetera. But mm. you know, when you talk about Mac computers, iPads, these other products, it's a tiny, tiny proportion of the overall computer market. You know, Windows still re- reigns supreme. So for Intel, it's more probably an irritation than a, a structural change in the outlook for the company. Jeff Halley, Senior Market Analyst, H-Pacific at Oanda. Jeff, let's turn to oil. The price of a barrel of crude appears to be settling above 40 US dollars a barrel. West Texas crude a bit above $40. Brent trading at 43 Are these prices a sign that OPEC plus production cuts are working? Yes, most definitely. And also, they seem to have bought the uh, recalcitrant parties, notably Iraq and also Nigeria, uh, under control too, and, and, and squeezed uh, uh, assurances from them that they will make up previous losses as well as uh, can, uh, meet their, 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 their quotas. Uh, so um, compliance seems to be at an all-time high. We do need to remember, though, that there are still 3 billion barrels of crude oil and storage around the world mm. that need to make their way through the market. But you know, when we look at the PMIs around the world, for example, and we have a lot of those releasing today, there's definitely a trend there to an increase in economic activity as economies reopen. So oil should naturally um, should naturally uh, rise on, on, on high demand. I would say, though, that I think that for now, we probably have seen the best of, the, of oil's recovery so uh, price gains from here, I think, will be more modest. Really? Because this past week, we saw something in the oil markets called backwardation. And that's mm. why spot oil prices for immediate delivery are higher than the futures market. So I've read theoretically, this is a bullish sign. You, you disagree? Oh, no, it is usually. I mean, it's, what it does imply is that it's firm demand. Backwardation, so the spot price is higher than the, the back prices. Mm. It's only in the front end of the curve. It does say that people are looking for oil immediately for immediate delivery, and that is a sign uh, that, that that demand is firm. I just believe when you look at the scale of the recovery mm. of, uh, of prices from uh, their mid-March NADA, that we probably have seen uh, the, the best uh, or most of the rally now. We have to remember that airlines, for example, mm-hmm. are still not coming back anytime soon. There's large parts of the economy that consume a lot of petroleum products in various forms that are still not going to be part of that overall demand equation and won't be for any time soon. Got it. Let's switch to corporate news. Financial payments company Wirecard says some $2 billion US dollars it had booked in its accounts likely never existed at all. So on paper, the money was said to be deposited with two banks in the Philippines. But the Philippine Central Bank says the funds never entered the country. Help us make sense of this story, Jeff. How does the company misplace or make up $2 billion? Well, as I think I said in my commentary yesterday, there's never just one cockroach. And I, and I think this is a classic example of that. The first question I ask is why does Wirecard need to park $2 billion worth of funds in a trust account in the Philippines yeah, when they're a German-based company? So there's red lights going off there anyway. The FT carried out a very extensive investigation which really spurred all of this uh, this situation coming to fruition last year. Ernst and Young have signed off the accounts as auditors for the last seven years. 
yet they didn't pick this up. I mean, it's another huge, uh, a huge uh, red light for big, big audit, so to speak. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of the the the, the, the German regulator slapped a short selling ban on Wirecard and said that everything was wrong uh, about what people were saying about it. There's egg on people's faces right across the community here. I think that this has still got more to run, and I have to be honest. You don't just mislay $2 billion and you don't just, just mislay it for a number of years. Uh, that's not how corporates work. They actively manage their cash. This story has more to develop and I don't think the news is going to be good. Indeed. All right, time for a lightning round. Are you ready, Jeff? I want your quick impressions on these investments. Go for it. Singapore blue chips, buy, sell or hold? Hold. What is your favourite currency to hold or buy right now for the short term? Euros. How about the long-term favorite currency? Hmm, quick tricky. I was going to say Indonesian rupiah there. All right, silver or gold, which do you prefer? Gold. Wire card, going bankrupt or not? Mm. <laughs> I'll, pass, I'll, I'll, I'll pass on that one. Actually, I don't think they'll go bankrupt. I think they'll emerge as a much smaller company. All right, oil prices, what is your near-term target? Uh, Brent is $45. High dividend yielding stocks like REITs or other equities? High dividend yielding, yes. REITs are neutral. All right. Equities in general, a bubble ready to burst or still a good time to invest? Still the time to invest. Chili crab or pepper crab? Oh, Pepper crab. <laughs> oh, you did so Pepper well. crab. Oh, yeah, you're a winner. Jeff, thanks for playing. Oh, no. I do a like sport. a nice chili crab. I, I do, but I've discovered the joys of pepper crab. Yeah, that's a tough one, and, uh, really tough one. So pepper crab. Yeah, pepper crab is the, the poor cousin to chili crab, but I, uh, I like it more. <laughs> All right, I know what to get you next time you're in town. Thanks so much Excellent. for joining us, Jeff. Cheers, Michelle. Jeff Halley there, Senior Market Analyst, Asia Pacific at Oanda. Joining us this morning in Money and Me, I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.